Hey, everybody. Y'all doing all right? All right, so I need y'all to help me out. I just want to hear from you for just a second. Growing up, what was like the thing you aspired to be, the job that you thought you were going to get? Like, what was that? But before you answer, if you're wondering why I'm not talking about the Super Bowl, by the way, it's because it's already in the bag. I mean, Tom Brady's going to win the whole thing. He's the GOAT. It's a done deal. I don't really care about your opinion. So we're just going to get that out of the way, okay, and move on. The Bucks are going to win the night. I'm calling it, and we're done. So back to the question. I'm going to get a bunch of texts about that later, but that's okay. So uh, back to the question, what did you aspire to be, like elementary age, like, oh, I want to be this when I grow up? Shout it out. Firefighter. Liar. <laughs> what? Pediatrician? That is so specific. Not in elementary, but whatever. Okay, we'll, we'll call it. What else? Police detective. All right. Astronaut. Come on. Soccer player. All right. What did you say? All right. Okay. 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 All right. Astrochemist. I see you, bro. So here's the thing. Have you ever heard of a show called uh, Fake Famous? Anybody? No? All right. So it's, it's a show. It's a documentary that came out recently. Here's the idea. They, they throw up these stats. And they say, uh, you know, years and years and years ago, like when I was growing up, I talked to a 22-year-old. He confirmed this. He said, when I was growing up, blah, blah, blah. They did the top three occupations that kids said, hey, this is going to be what I do when I grow up. It was a fireman, police officer, doctor. Top three. Like across the board. There were some other ones, but way down on the list. And so this, this, uh, this show, this documentary called Fake Famous, the whole entire show is about um, putting up that stat and saying, do you know what it is today? It's not a police officer. It's not a fireman. It's not a doctor. It's an influencer. Like by and large, everybody growing up is going, what I want to be is I want to be insta-famous. And I want to be an influencer. And sometimes it could be one way or the other. I want to be an influencer so I can be famous or I want to be famous so I can be an influencer. Either way, same idea. Like the general average person that's growing up today, that is their goal. That is their heart. That is where they are headed. And that's just, that's where their mind goes. And so the documentary was super interesting. It actually tracked the idea of what does it take to be an influencer and how do you get there? And so they, they interviewed thousands of people in L.A., California, I think it was. And they brought all these interviewees. And here was the three criteria. You have to have no exceptional skills, average looking, and you had to have very few followers on social media. That was, that was the goal. Okay. And so all these thousands of people came in. They tried out. They did the whole deal. And they narrowed it and whittled it down to three. And I think the person, the, the girl in it, she, the, uh, she had the most followers and it was 1,100. I'm just giving you an idea, okay? And so they, they jump into this thing. And, and what was crazy is they did this whole experiment. It was a social experiment. And how they did it is they started posting pictures of the three individuals. And then they bought followers, which you can do. You can buy 7,500 of them for $120. So 
So all of a sudden, they post a picture, and they all of a sudden have all of these followers. And then you pay for comments and likes. And so they start getting all these likes, all these comments, and they have instantly almost 7,500 more followers. And so that process continues, and what they do is they show and even, you know, experiment with what other influencers do. Not all of them, obviously, you know, this is a little bit slanted, like a lot of documentaries are, but they they showed how, you know, in in that world, here's the concept behind it. This is the phrase. You're going to see it on the screen. And this is the idea. This is my lifestyle. If you want to be like me, you should follow me. And so they post all these pictures of these incredible places, right? And they go, if you want to be like me, if you want to travel, if you want to have vacations like me, if you want to look like me, if you want everything in your life to be like me, then you should follow me. And then maybe you can have it too. So that's the whole concept. But what, what you see in this documentary is, is that all these people are posting pictures. And where are they posting them? It looks like you're on a private jet, but it's actually a tunnel that's decked out with a bar and a window and leather seats. And it's all fake. But they're posting it like they're on a private jet. Or they're in the backyard of somebody's house at a pool and they're claiming to be in Fiji. And they, they, they kind of drown out the background. It's crazy. Like I'm sitting there watching, there's this girl, the girl on, the, on, the, on the, one of the three was a girl. She was in a bikini, okay? And behind her, in the picture, it looks like she's laying out like this with her head over rose petals in water. And it looks like this beautiful, like, oh my gosh, I want to be there. I want to be like you. And then you span out, it's a little kiddie pool, Okay, with water in it, a bunch of rose petals, and then she's laying out in her backyard on the grass. I mean, it was over and over and over. And what you saw is you saw likes and comments and followers just climb. And what we saw in her life specifically, we saw her get all kinds of free stuff. And then she starts getting inviting to stuff. And then she gets bigger and bigger. And now she's got 256,000 followers, I think, at the time of the show. And She is literally getting free jewelry, free experiences, free everything. And she's posting it and rating it and talking about it. And she's just, she's got all this stuff, right? And you look at it and you go, man, that's so amazing. And it's it's so not true. It's so false. But so many people are growing up going, man, I want that. And here's the thing. Here's the reality. One of the questions they asked and they answered in the show Everybody who came to interview, they asked the question, do you want to be famous? And the answer every time was, absolutely. Who doesn't want to be? Who doesn't want to be? And and so maybe some of you are like me. I'm like, man, I don't want to be famous. Like, come on. You would say that in the same way, let's just be honest, that you say, I don't want to win the lottery because I hear bad things about people who win the lottery. But do you really not want to win the lottery? I'm going to let that sit there for a minute, okay? Do you really not want to be famous? Do you really not want to be an influencer? Do you really not want to live that life? Let me change the phrase from I want to be famous to I want to build my own kingdom. It's so natural. We all do it. I mean, it starts from birth. It really does. If, if, If you take like my daughter, who's four, 
you take a toy from my daughter right now, like if you just walked up, looked at her, she's playing with this toy, snatched it out of her hands, do you know what she would do? She would probably punch you in the face. Like she would get up and she would be like, what are you doing? She would pitch a fit. Why? Because you're messing with her kingdom. You're messing with her life and you don't mess with her life in her mind. And it doesn't just stop with toddlers. It's not just kingdom wars then. It can go all the way to the teenage years. Mom, dad, you mess with my social life. I will do all kinds of radical, crazy things to get it back. If you take that away from me, I, will, I, I could name a list. I'm not going to. That I did, that others have done, that I will say, hey, listen, you can't mess with my kingdom. You can't mess with my life. And then it goes into spouses, right? I mean, I'll just give you an example. Last week, I ended a series on wholeness, talking about financial wholeness. I'll bet you, I'll bet you, there were couples who left after that message and they went home and they didn't say a thing about their finances. You know why? Because you're not messing with my kingdom. You're not messing with my brand. You're not messing with my retirement. You're not messing with my savings. You're not messing with my kingdom. I've got a plan and we ain't talking about it. I don't care what your thoughts are. It's a moot issue. We're moving on. And it's for, for, for couples, it doesn't have to be money. It could be all kinds of things. It could even be your upbringing. Like you had a dad who worked all the time. So now you are all about not working too much and you judge everyone who works a lot and has a lot of money or whatever that looks like in your life. Or you have the mom who drank a lot, who drank too much. And now you're a teetotaler and anybody that messes with that kingdom, I will own you. I have a view and it's the only view, right? But it's not just spouses, it's coworkers. We want to build our kingdom. We want to climb the corporate ladder. We don't want the person next to us who's aligned with me to succeed. We want them to fail so that what? So that we can climb. It's so natural. John Calvin says that our hearts are like idol factories. Jeremiah says that our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all else. We are just natural at building our own kingdoms. It just takes place. It's so easy. To do. It's, it's, it's in my heart. It's in your heart. It's in so many people. I mean, it's the American dream. Think about Jeff Bezos, right? He has built an incredible kingdom. Houses, vacations, CEO, now step down. Now he's still in it, still has all this power. I mean, his life looks great, right? It's the American dream. It's building a kingdom. Let, let's, let's, let's take another one. The guy who just surpassed him, Elon Musk. This is a little different angle, but it's super popular. It's a super popular kingdom right now. He's now the richest man in the world. You know what he did recently? I sold all my houses. You know why? Here's the phrase. Because I want freedom. I want to be free. There's so many people right now, and there's a negative and a positive, and I get that. I'm just talking about the negative here. I'm going to be debt-free, minimalistic, RV traveling around the world, kind of life, building my own kingdom. It, it just depends. There's so many different kinds of kingdoms in our hearts, in our lives. Obviously, motivation matters, right? It's not just the decision or the job or the title or the whatever. It's the motivation that's driving you to keep your kingdom that's being exposed. And so I, I'm, I'm putting that challenge before you. And here's the thing. The first step to Jesus is the death of the king inside of you. 
or the queen inside of you. That's the first step. Jesus comes over and over and he says, hey, follow me. And if you want to follow me, guess what? You have to lay down your life. You have to lay down your rights. You have to deny yourself. What he's saying is, it's not your kingdom. It's my kingdom. And if you don't lay that kingdom down and pick up your cross, it's going to be your kingdom for the rest of your life. And you will die in your kingdom. Jesus says the first step to following me is not your kingdom, but my kingdom. But he isn't calling you to stop kingdom building. He's calling you to start building a new kingdom. One that lasts forever, that actually has fulfillment, that actually has purpose, that actually brings you life. That's the kingdom he wants you to build. That's the kingdom that he has for you. And he's saying, come and follow me. And so here's the question I want you to think about and ask yourself throughout this series. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 and following. And here's the question I want to set up for this this passage, this book, this series. Ask yourself this. Is my decision that I'm about to make building my kingdom or his kingdom? Let me go to the question behind the question. Is the motivation for the decision that I'm making building my kingdom or his? That's if you're in your 20s, starting out, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s as your job is crowning and you're, you're seeing all of the influence that you were hoping to have all the way into retirement. And what my life looks like are the decisions that I'm making building my kingdom or God's kingdom. Just keep asking yourself as we go through this, this series. So we are in Matthew chapter 6. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, here's a quick picture. Jesus comes and he says, hey, follow me. All this stuff, cool stuff's happening. And he goes up on a mountain. He sits down and everybody stands up, which was traditional for their age. He starts teaching. He teaches an upside down kingdom, a transformative ethic, a new way to live. Follow me, he says. And then we get to the center of the center of the center of the sermon, which is kind of the focal point. It's super critical. It's important. And it's the Lord's Prayer, which is where we're going to be for the next six weeks. We're going to be unpacking it, talking about it. And so here's the context behind it. Right before this, Jesus is talking about, he's actually speaking to the Pharisees, which don't forget, Pharisees were looked up to. They were righteous. They were holy. Everybody thought they were great. A lot of people did anyways. So they had this high standard and everybody looked up to them that were around them. And he goes, don't be like the Pharisees who when they pray, pray out in the streets where everybody can see it. Don't be that kind of influencer. Don't be that person. Not only that, Don't pray like babbling pagans. And here's the idea. I know it says in Luke, it's the whole idea that we should pray persistently. And he gives all kinds of parables and stories about being persistent in our prayer. Here's the difference between babbling and persistence in prayer. Babbling is like a mantra. Like I'm just going to say it over and over like a mantra. Like, um, God, 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 God. With the idea that I can change God's mind. That's not the picture. 
The picture in Luke is, hey, I want you to depend on me in prayer. And what that means is you're going to pray about it today. And guess what? As you're still trusting in me, you're going to ask for it again a week later or the next day or the next month or the next year. But you're not babbling like a pagan saying, oh, if I say mantras that he'll hear me. That's not the picture. So don't pray like that. I know what you need and I hear you. Are you going to depend on me? Are you going to ask me? And then we jump into the passage that we're in today, and I'm going to read it. He says in chapter 6, verse 9, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. So as I said, this is the center of the center of the center of the the sermon, but I want you to see something right out the gate. This is not an individual type of prayer. It's a communal idea. It's a communal prayer. Listen to this. It's not my father, my daily bread, my trespasses, but our father, our daily bread, our trespasses. You see that? There's a quote I want to read to you. There may be religions that come to you through quiet woods or by sitting quietly in the library with the books. Some of you are going, oh, that sounds so good right now, right? Or rummaging around in the recesses of your psyche. Christianity is not one of them. Christianity is inherently communal. A matter of life in the body, the church. Jesus did not call isolated individuals to follow him. He called a group of disciples. That's the picture. This should be a sobering idea in these times. Our Father in heaven. Think about this. He's the Father of those around us. Listen to this. He's a Father to people who are for the bucks and for the chiefs. Okay, you're going to laugh now. You might stop laughing in a second. He's a father to people who are for mask and against mask. He's a father to people who are, va- who are for vaccines and against vaccines. He's a father to the poor and the rich. He's a father to so many in the United States and in tribes all throughout the world. He's a father to all. Do you think about that? Do you see that? Is that sobering to you as you pray, as you think about it's not my kingdom, it's his kingdom. And that's going to shape all of my thoughts, all of my life, and everything around me. Our Father in heaven. It's the ninth occurrence in the sermon that this phrase takes place. God as Father. It's the ninth out of 17 in the sermon. There's 44 in Matthew. This is super important in the book of Matthew. It's almost, it's a theme. God as father. It's a big deal. And father in heaven occurs 22 times in Matthew. And it's very different from the synoptics, the other gospels. He is father and in heaven. There's two dichotomies. He's both near and far. How's that work? I'm going to nuance this a little bit. We're going to, I'm going to talk about a whole bunch of nuances out of this phrase. He's both imminent and transcendent. 
He's close. He sees us. He hears us. He cares for us. He's a father. But he's also transcendent. He's other. He's holy. He's outside. It's so imminent, the idea of being, he's almost within held of the world, but he's transcendent. He's not held within the world. He's outside the world. He's both imminent and transcendent. He's both near and far. And so there's, there's tons of verses in, in the Bible that talk about this. Isaiah 55, 8, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways transcendent. Jeremiah 23, verse 23 to 24, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Here's the context. And this is true consistently throughout Scripture. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm the shepherd of all people. And I know these false shepherds are harming you and and doing things that are bad. They're false leaders that are lording over their people. And so what happened is the people in Jeremiah, and you see it over and over throughout the Bible, what they do is, is when times are tough, they go, where's God? He's not near. So I'm going to turn to what's easy and accessible. Whatever would satisfy me right now, whatever would give me pleasure, whatever would give me power, whatever would give me sustenance for this day, for how I feel, I'm going to go to that. Because he's not near. I don't know where he's at. He didn't show up. And he's obviously not powerful enough to fix this, so I'm going to turn aside. How many of you are in that place? God, I'm going to turn aside and find my truest self, my happiest self elsewhere. How many of you are seeking that which is close and acceptable, accessible? Think about that. But it's also harmful for you. Jesus is saying, I'm here. I haven't left. And you need to pray and think that way. Our Father in heaven. He's imminent. He's near to the brokenhearted. He's bottled our tears. He's counted every hair in our head. He has got us, our Father in heaven. But here's another nuance. Father and ruler. Father and ruler. Think about my daughters, especially as they were very young. All of them, before they knew more, okay? But at the very beginning, they all thought their dad was the strongest, fastest, smartest, most powerful person on the planet. There was nothing that would happen or come our way that their dad couldn't take care of. Even their uncle Peter, who's 6'3", a solid 250 in muscle, absolutely destroyed me. But in their minds, nothing can take dad out, right? Like he, he's got it. And if there's a situation that comes up, guess who can take care of it? My dad. Think about if that translated over into our view of God. Our Father who cares for us, who is near to us, who is imminent, and who is also in control of everything. Think about if we thought of a dad who had infinite wisdom, infinite power, infinite fill in the blank. Our Father in heaven. Think about how that would transform the way that we pray. 
Think about how it would transform our relationships with everything in our lives. Think about how it transformed your Tuesday at your job or your Friday in your home. Think about how it transformed the fact that he's both father and ruler, near and far, that no matter what comes your way, he has got it. And you know what the truth is with my daughters? Here's the reality. Things would come our way and I would take care of it. And it didn't look the way that they thought it should. In the same way, we trust God. We say, no, no, no. Our Father who's in heaven, I'm working all things for the good of those who love me. Would you trust me? Would you believe in me? Would you see that I'm both a father and a ruler, that I'm both near and far? I've got you. Would you pray that way? Would you think that way? Would you live that way? You know, I got a, I'm going to end with this. I got a text today. And when I read the text, I immediately went to my kingdom. It just brought all kinds of things out in my heart and in my mind. And I immediately wanted to grab on and say, no, 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 my kingdom, not yours, not his, not hers, not theirs, mine. And I was sitting there wrestling when I told Gene about the whole text and about how it was making me feel. And I was just going to that place and I felt like it was spiritual warfare. And I felt like God was saying, I'm bringing this into your life right now before this message to humble you and to remind you it's not just them, it's you. It's not your kingdom, it's mine. We're going to face it. And we need to realize it's our Father who's in heaven, who's going to provide protect, and lead for the rest of our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a father who is near the brokenhearted, who is near the proud, who is near all of us, and that you're also in heaven overseeing and working and moving God, would that transform our hearts? Would we see that we're not alone and that we need to love others and trust you for the rest of our days? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice and your love and for calling us to a better life. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.